0: Well, good morning and welcome to FC. It's so great to see each and every one of you. Hopefully you've had a fantastic weekend watching some football and probably, it's probably maybe a good chance in the room, maybe your team didn't do so good. My team didn't do so good either, so you know, we're all in the same boat together on that. But hopefully you've had a fantastic weekend. We are so glad that you are in this series with us that we are doing right now called We the People. Um, Over the last few weeks, Pastor Trent has done such a tremendous job of setting this series up for us to understand what it means as a follower of Jesus and how do you engage politically? <clears throat> how, how are we engaged in politics, in our world, in this life, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, and, and, and how do we engage without it being something where we are in, being incredibly maybe forceful, right? I mean, how do we engage and how are we, how are we a part of, the, of politics in our lives each and every day in political, even political conversations, and, and how do we engage in that in such a way that, that is honoring to God, honoring to his word, and honoring to others? And, and as, we, as we have taken a look at this, it's incredibly important for us to understand this is something that we should do, because we have a voice. You have a voice. You have an opinion. You have something that you wholeheartedly believe, but what happens for many of us, and I know that I have fallen guilty of this so many times, it is so easy for us to find our politics superseding what we believe about our own personal faith and our own personal values. In fact, sometimes we can see it this way it is our political worldview or our biblical worldview. So many times it is very easy to take our politics and take a political stance, take a political viewpoint, and and we can insert that into our biblical worldview, what we believe that is true about what the Bible says. That when we open this book up and we look inside of it and we study it and we read it and, and, and we learn God's plan for our lives each and every day in this life and the life to come and we read about it, it's so easy for us to say we want to uh, take our po- political stance and, and begin to find scriptures that support that stance. And so it becomes reversed than really what God had ever intended it to be. That really the intention is to be a, a, or a biblical worldview that we view our politics through. A, a, a biblical worldview that we look and say that when we open up the scriptures and we begin to find out what God's truth says about our lives and our individual lives and even as our country and our nation, and then we begin to understand how our politics play out. And it's, it's much easier to interpret that in, in a way that is honoring to others, that, that is a, 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 we become a nation that God says, yes, that this is what I want you to become. Because when we read in here, we begin to understand more that when we, when we focus on our politics and our political viewpoint, many times it's about what does it mean for me? A biblical worldview says what is it about others? As Andy Stanley reminded me years ago, I heard him share this and it, and it stuck with me. He said, do I wanna make a point or do I wanna make a difference? When it comes to politics or life, do I wanna make a point or do I wanna make a difference in this life? that i wholeheartedly believe that when we say uh, when we look in the scriptures and we apply this to our lives we're really about making a difference in this life and that we begin to understand what god's heartbeat is what he is for what he is de, his design for us in our individual lives and what that is all about or do i just want to make a point Man, in this day and age, isn't it so easy for us just all of a sudden we get on our Twitter world and and all of a sudden we just shoot something out and we're like going, I wanna make a point. I wanna get in an argument with someone. I wanna get in this disagreement with someone so I can prove you wrong. And we we don't focus on what it means to really make a difference in this world, but I believe wholeheartedly that we begin to understand a biblical worldview. We begin to understand the significance of politics and what God has best for us and in the lives of others. And today, we're going to take a, a few moments to discuss something I believe is incredibly important to God, something that I believe, is it, when, it, when we open up his scripture, we cannot deny that, that life is incredibly important because he is the creator of that life. And for a few moments today, we're going to talk about preborn children and how Over the last few decades, even since 1973, Roe versus Wade, and there have been decades and political debates and arguments that have taken place, back and forth between two camps that we typically see um, that are the pro-life versus the pro-choice camp. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that, unless you've kind of hidden under a rock, you've heard these, these two phrases right here. There's pro-life and there's pro-choice. And pro-life says this, is that, that we believe that every life is significant, every life is important, and we believe from the time of conception until we e- exit this world and meet our maker that all lives are incredibly important and significant and every life should have a chance to have a life. And pro-choice, pro-choice is the other camp which says this, is that typically is that um, the, the mother should have a, a choice to make on whether she desires to pursue the next few months of this pregnancy and to bring this child into the world. It's her body, it's her choice. We hear that, Right? Whereas we would never wanna take away anyone's independent rights on anything such as that, that I believe wholeheartedly when I read this, when I read that term pro-choice, it makes it's, it's a little bit complicated for me because when I read this, I believe that there's a significant other person in this story that does not have a choice. That it, it rather should, should be more like this, pro-life versus pro-abortion. And so for today's conversation, I'd, I'd really like for us to kind of hone in on it because sometimes pro-choice can be a term that, that seems very, um, in a sensitive way, uh, that it is, it is saying that we wanna make sure that, that the mother, that the woman has this opportunity, but yet we have completely removed a life that never had a choice to begin with. In 2016, we find there were 623,471 legal abortions were performed in the US. 623,000. Put a little bit in perspective over this last year, over the last since, I guess since February, this last year, 2020, which is a a year that we want to absolutely remember, correct? Been a little bit crazy for all of us. That we are constantly hearing about numbers that continue arising as far as a virus that has taken the lives of others. And and once again, that stirs up emotion, that stirs up some politics within some of us sitting in the room because, well, you know, that 200,000 plus, that might not be every person that has actually had the virus. I understand that, let's put that on pause for just a minute, but it's just the fact that it has been in front of us for so long, for so many months, this continual rise of 200,000 people that have said have been taken by this virus, but yet in 2016, 623,471 lives were taken and there was not a whisper. We never heard this. And the only reason that this, can be, this number can be, can be validated, the only reason that this number can be accepted, the only reason and the only way that this number can be seen as something that is, is not as significant is that we do not see, people do not see 623,471 lives. Each person is just a number. It's not 623,000 Jacks or James. It's not 623,000 Karens or Carls. There are no names associated with this. It's just a number. And that that is the only way that this can be validated, that this can be justified by those who are pro-abortion. And personally, I believe it's insignificant for us as a church to understand this and for us to to take a look into this and to understand that each and every year that when there's election, when there are things that are taking place, that, that when we have opportunities to have conversations, that we realize that, that, based on what we're gonna see in a, mo- in a moment, is that a biblical worldview says that, that God um, has this design for each and every one of us, and he would love to see each and every one of those numbers become a Carl, become a Karen, become a Jack, become a Jane, and make a difference in this world, and not be seen as a choice or someone who is just in the way. In his book, um, Less Than Human, Why We Demean and Exterminate Others. Really harsh title when you think about that. David Livingston Smith um, states this. During the Holocaust, Nazis referred to Jews as rats. Hutus involved in the Rwanda genocide called Tutsis cockroaches. Slave owners throughout history considered slaves subhuman animals And in his book, he he states, he argues that it's simply, that it's important to define and describe dehumanization because it's what opens the door for cruelty and genocide. He states it's easier to kill something that is subhuman. And as we see in this number right here, that is basically what has been identified. This is the only way to look and to say: If, any, if you were to stand in front of anyone face to face, if you came in contact with any neighbor, any friend, any colleague, anyone in this room, and you looked to them and you said, "Hey, if you were to choose not to have someone as part of your life, would you be? Would you? Should you have the opportunity just to take them out, just to not allow them to have a life and to breathe?" breathe breath any longer. And I think 100% we all would say no. In fact, that goes against everything that our, that our nation was founded on, that we all have the opportunity for life. And to take that life from someone is wrong. Well, the only way that, we can, that this can be justified is by saying they're not human. In fact, in a, in a, in a um, interview on NPR, he, he continues on and, and he says this, We all know despite what we see in the movies that it's very difficult psychologically to kill another human being up close and in cold blood or to inflict atrocities on them. So when it does happen, it can be helpful to understand what it is that allows human beings to overcome the very deep and natural inhibitions they have against treating other people like game animals or vermin or dangerous predators. Stating here that, that in his book, he's talking about enslavery, he's talking about uh, genocide, he's talking about how in the world could, could the Nazis treat, treat the Jewish people in this way and see them and actually look them in the face and take their life, and the only way to do that is to say, you are not human. You are not a person. And, and for a pro-abortionist, they will say, and they have to say, and is the only thing that they can be said for to take the life is to say that it is not a life. And what I'd like for us to understand today by looking into God's word, by looking into here and to seeing, if what does the author of life have to say about a life? And, and I know what you're you might be sitting in this room going, well, that's circular reasoning for you, you're coming back to the Bible to kind of prove your religious point, is that what you're trying? I would love for you to entertain for just a moment to hear what God has to say about you and your life and every life that has ever, ever been from the moment of conception. In fact, we find in Luke, we open up the book of Luke, we read about Elizabeth and Mary having this interaction. Mary is uh, the Mary of Mary, the mother of Jesus fame. You might know her from that, right? So she has a relative, Elizabeth, that she goes to visit. And as she goes to visit her relative, this is what, this is what happens. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Mary was pregnant, okay? And, and I mean, Elizabeth was pregnant and it leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Interestingly enough, that, that as we continue reading, the same term for baby that is used when Mary has Jesus and baby is lying in a manger and we know that it's a baby and no one in this, in this world would ever look and say, that is not a baby, but the baby is lying in the manger. The baby is alive, the baby is crying, the baby is, is doing what babies do. And the same term for that baby is, ter- is used right here. That this baby in the womb that God uses in his word that says, it is the exact same thing. This is not different. This is a child. This is a baby. This baby is just forming. And as we read about, continue reading about from the psalmist, it says this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. The psalmist is making a statement here. It's so powerful. It's so significant. It says this For you formed my inward parts, not um, some man and woman who happened to get together and they made a baby, and therefore it's like going, Well, we kind of, we, we kind of were part of this and we kind of we did this. And yes, you participated. I promise you that. I mean, unless you haven't been to health class ever, it's very significant that you understand this. But, but when it comes down to it and understanding what he's saying here in the psalm, that for you, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Stating this, God, you formed me. And to think that every little one that has ever conceived, the psalmist is saying, God formed them. Their Heavenly Father was actively knitting them together. Not just a blob or a mass that just exists. Being formed, knitted together, shaped into God wants this person to be. from the very, very beginning in Genesis. We read, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I mean this is from the very beginning. We open up the, in Genesis from the very beginning. It says that, that man and woman, that man and woman were created in God's image. Now, now this word image is very important because it's significant to understand that this is the image of made in God's image, but also to be and to represent his image in this world. And that's the dignity and sanctity of every life. And that every person that we, that we come in contact with personally on a day-to-day level, that we realize that they, that they have, that they're incredibly important. It doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter your color. doesn't matter your socionomic situation. It, doesn't, it does not matter where you are in this world. That God says, each and every person made in my image. And I believe wholeheartedly this goes to being formed being made, being created in his image before we ever take our first breath. We find in Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Here's God speaking to Jeremiah, and he's reminding Jeremiah of this one thing. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Can I remind you, before you're being formed in the womb, that God knew you? Does that mean that that God has just allowed things to happen? No, what that means is this, is that the God that we serve, the God that we love, the God, the author of life, the one who has given given us, each and every one of us, the breath of life and the opportunity to live in this world, that he says this, before I formed you, before you are even being formed, I knew you. Now, you you might be here and you're saying, I I don't even know about this. You're pulling out these verses, and and, and yes, I I would love to, to, to understand this, but... But what, what, what does that have to do, maybe if I don't believe the verse, well, can I just ask you this? Does that not give you more hope than what you hear in this world, that you were just a blob? That, that, that you were just a mass? That you, maybe you happened by accident? As we read each and every one of these, there is no accident God has ordained and God has orchestrated. And yes, I understand wholeheartedly and completely that each and every situation can have a challenge to it. But I promise you this, the life that is taking place inside of that mother is incredibly important to God. So how does the science play out in all this? Well, surprisingly enough that the science begins to even more support that a life is being formed, that there is actively life taking place. Even as early as before three weeks, you can hear a heartbeat. At four weeks, face and neck are are being more prominent. At six weeks, eyelids and other organs begin to form, and at 10 weeks, visible sucking of their thumb And my list could go on and on and on, even before those three weeks of how God is forming and what God is doing and the miracle of life. Now, I understand in this room and and being here, if you're watching online or you're you're joining us in person, that it's easy to say, I I understand. Some people are like, well, you're kind of preaching to the choir on this because kind of I've always been pro-life and I'm in church and therefore I kind of hold to that. But I want to share with you just for a moment how many times in, in our day and age and how our culture and the things that we do here can slowly begin to sway us because we hear questions. We hear maybe the, the what ifs and, and what should we do in this situation? Because you, you may be sitting here wholeheartedly saying, absolutely, I believe in, I believe in pro-life, but there's circumstances. And, and, and in fact, it was interestingly enough, I was having a conversation with Pastor, Pastor Landon about this, and, and he said that they're, they're about to do a series with high school here, um, specifically with high school uh, as it relates to the, some of the controversial things about Jesus and, and, and things that had to help them to understand in their world and answering a lot of questions that many of these students have about life. And it turns out that some of these had to do even with abortion. And some of the, some of the responses might, might start you a little bit. Now, I do want to let you know this. If you have a high schooler, please don't go home and ask them how they Voted on this because that would be a really awkward conversation because then I'll get in trouble by them. But um, now this just goes out to to the mass of the students and the students that are attending here, and we don't know where they are on their spiritual journey, where they are on their faith journey, but what we've heard is this many that, that said that abortion is a woman's choice, it's 25% of respondents. Abortion is not murder or morally wrong, 8%. Abortion is morally wrong, but not my business. 29%. And these are students that attend FC students here. And many of them are hearing situational things, and they may say, you know what, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I, I don't want to, it gets a little awkward. I don't know about any of that. Well, for just a moment, I'd love to take a few questions or, or a few situational things that many of us might have. What if there is rape or incest? I mean, I've heard this countless times. Some have said, you know, I, I, I don't believe in, in, in abortion, but man, if there's rape or incest, should not the woman have, have that right because she never asked for this. She did not put herself in this situation. And I wanna tell you, even when I hear this question, it breaks my heart because I have a daughter. And if that daughter were to go through that, it would be incredible so challenging, so difficult. I, I honestly would be so angry. And I would say, why? But there's another question that I have to always ask is this, still why would an innocent be punished for the crime of a criminal? Because I still wholeheartedly believe that there is, there is one who, who is innocent and, and who deserves that chance. Several years ago, I was in um, I was in Atlanta, living in Atlanta, uh, and, and and I was invited by a close friend of mine uh, to come to a banquet. He, he worked with Young Life. If you're familiar with Young Life, it's a campus ministry, and, and he and I were close friends. And so he said, hey, just come to the banquet. I'd love for you to come, and, and I have an opportunity to kind of meet some of the, some of the, the, the staff and, and all that. And so I was like, sure. I was working at a church, and we were trying to create this partnership relationship. And so I showed up at the banquet, and I'll never forget when I was in there, and, and, and Derek was sharing the story. There are hundreds of people in the room. They're raising funds, all that they typically do at a ministry banquet like that. And, I, and I'll never forget, Derek stands up, and, he, and he's, first of all, he thanks everyone for coming. He says, Let me just share a quick story with you and he said that there was a there was a teenage girl who was pregnant and the way she got pregnant was not by choice it was by rape and she wrestled with what do I do with this she wrestled honestly to say that I don't know if I can handle this why would this ruin my my life what do I do here And as she met with some people, she decided, I I need to have this baby, but I can't take care of it, but I'll put it up for adoption, so maybe someone else can have a child. Didn't know what to do, was at a loss, and she did. She had the baby, the, uh, put it up for adoption, an incredible family came along, adopted this child, a family that was not able to have children, and so came along and said, um, th- thank you for going through this, I and mean, we know it was not an optimal situation, but thank you for this. And so, what she did was, is she handed off this baby, and this baby became, um, grew up into being a young man, um, and growing this, or raised in this family that loved Jesus. He was called to ministry, and he was called to be a Young Life Director, and Derek shared, that woman was my mother. That was his story. And here was Derek standing in front of these adults, and he's had opportunities at that time to share with dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of students the love of Jesus, that, that, that when I met him, he was, he was a husband and was about to have his first child, and to say that along the way that you would not, because of this situation, we still are gonna take your breath We're gonna take away the life that you could have, the difference that you can make. And when I look back in here and when God says, I formed you, I made you, I created you, I have a plan for you, how many Derricks are out there? Another question. What if the mother's life is at risk? Incredibly valid question, so important, because this happens, it does happen. The mother's life is at risk. If the doctor were to approach her and say that if you were to pursue having this baby, um, there is a chance, a very good chance, and most likely you will not make it. It's 0.118%, very small probab- probability, very, very slim chance of this happening. And honestly, this would be a case where I, I would say that this has to be a moral decision that has taken place between. Uh, the the, the mother and the the doctor, legitimately asking that question. But the problem becomes, not is it morally justifiable, but the slippery slope that does happen oftentimes as we find out and we discover in politics where it's no longer mother's life is at risk. It's the mother's emotional health. It's the mother's maybe physical, can she she handle the demands of nine months of pregnancy, that it goes into the slippery slope over and over. And it's so easy for those that are pro-abortion to latch onto that. And that's something that I think we have to be very, very conscientious of and careful of in that situation. To say that legitimately often, you know, is this an authentic situation? Where the mother could potentially lose her life. But that is a question that is incredibly valid, but not beginning down the slippery slope within politics. Here's another question. What if I don't agree with abortion, but I don't want to impose my will on others? That's their choice. I mean, I hear this a lot. I mean, this is one of the, the high percentage uh, questions that were even sent out to the students, the high school students, that, that what if I don't agree with abortion, but I don't wanna impose my will on others? Can I just share with you, this is one of the easiest ways to cop out because you're not making any sort of a stand. You're not making any sort of a, of a personal conviction. You could say, it's my conviction, but not the conviction of others. But it's very similar to me saying that I don't, I don't agree with with drinking and driving, but if you choose to drink and drive, even if you happen to take someone out that's innocent, that's okay. Or if I were to say, you know what, I really don't like my neighbor at all, and I'm never gonna do anything with it, but if you don't like your neighbor and you wanna go out and take them out, and it just, you know, that's your choice. Or, you know what, you really shouldn't steal from people. I get that, I'm not gonna steal. But if you wanna take, that's on you. We have laws, we, There are so many things that we have done in this country to say that we have to protect the rights of others and to state this, that I don't agree with it, but I don't wanna impose my will. We continually, in doing that, remove the opportunity to be a voice for the voiceless. And we have an opportunity to intervene as Christians to make a difference. Final question is this. What about separation of church and state? We can't impose our religious views on others. <laughs> can, can I remind you how your religious views are being imposed on daily? Mine, all of us, we're being told what is right and wrong between a cancel culture, secular humanism. That we are constantly being told what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. And honestly, as we have conversations with people, it's so easy to say, to share with them, I, I'm not imposing my religious view, but my religion does affect my view because it is my faith, and therefore, because I believe that every life matters in the eyes of God from the time of conception through all the way until the end of our lives and we are face to face with him, that yes, I'm not imposing, but I am affirming and I'm standing up for those who do not have a voice. we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is not a religious document. This is our Declaration of Independence. And if we believe that all men are created equal and that we believe at the time of that conception that that is creation, that we believe that inside of the mother's womb, that we believe inside of her is a life being created, then they deserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We do not have the right to take that away from them. I am... Senior, senior year in high school, I was um, in a debate group in government class, and uh, I used to love to debate. It was one of my favorite things to do because I was like going, man, my convictions are right. I'm gonna prove you wrong. It was awesome. <clears throat> Not as much I've grown out of that, I think, but I used to love to do it, and I remember that my uh, government teacher came up to me and she said this. She said, um, it was two of us. She said, tomorrow we're gonna be having a debate, because we would do this periodically each semester. We're gonna be having a debate, and Heath and Stacy, you guys are gonna debate, and it's on abortion. Get ready. So she knew where I stood, very pro-life. She knew where Stacy stood, very pro-abortion. And we were gonna go after it we were gonna just go for it and be yelling at each other and debating like debaters do. And we're, we're <clears throat> you know, we got our two platforms and it was, like a, it was like a tennis match going back and forth. I mean, you can see everybody's heads doing this back and forth. And we're, I'm sharing my view. I've got my cards. I'm proving her wrong. Ha <laughs> ha, how about that one? Zinger, and she's doing the same thing back to me and we're going back and forth. We're, we're sharing everything from going back to the, the Constitution, to our laws, to the bylaws. To, I mean, we're going after it. And all of a sudden, at the end, I did something I really didn't expect to do. I remember to this day doing this. And I thought about it beforehand, but I decided at that moment I would. And I just shared with Stacy and I shared this. I said, Stacy, one last question that I have. Are you glad that your mom didn't consider an abortion? And she said, what, that's a weird question. All of a sudden it got personal. And I said, it was just a question. Are you glad that you're here today with us? And she said, Yeah. And I told her, I said, me too. I'm glad you're here today too. And it just kind of went silence and we ended. There wasn't a winner. In that moment, all I wanted to do was just kinda come back to the sanctity of life, the significance of life, the importance of every life, and the importance of her life and my life. I'm so grateful that my mother didn't and I'm able to experience the life that I'm able to experience today. Because we are understood what life is. It's given to us by our Creator. And because of that, We deserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in our lives each and every day. So, as Christians, then what can we do? At the very beginning I said, what can we do to make a difference? Now just make a point. What can we do to make a difference? Today was not just about making a point. And this is what I, what I want us to, 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 to finish up with here. What can we do? We can vote, absolutely. One of the things that we, each and every one of us can do is we can vote. And here's what I wanna encourage you to do, especially if, you're, if you are younger and you're kinda looking ahead. I want you to understand this. It is important to understand that what each and every candidate stands for. It's easy to go to a political platform and you all of a sudden go to that. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to think through and to evaluate and look at each candidate and what they truly stand for in some areas. And it's easy to say, well, economy's a little bit more important to me than this. I want to challenge you on that because 600 something thousand um, <clears throat> babies that did not make it into this world just several years ago, hundreds of thousands since, I believe would say, please don't vote to fill your pocketbook. Be aware of this when you're voting. Next is this, we have a voice. You and I have a voice. We interact with people. We have dialogue with people. We have the interactions that we can have with helping others understand the significance of each and every life. Maybe it's someone who is wrestling with this personally. Maybe it's someone that you know has a daughter that says, "I didn't. We didn't expect this. What do we do?" That it doesn't matter what that situation is. We can avoid it, or we can step up and have a voice and say, "Can I just be there for you? Can I care for you? Can I be the voice of the one who doesn't have a voice?" And to say that, I believe that they say they would say. I want a life, I want a chance, I wanna make a difference in this world. So we have a voice. And we can support those making a difference because I promise you this, there are organizations that are out there that are doing amazing things. I know it's easy to say, well I voted, nothing happened, so be it, nothing changed, done easy just to kind of slide into that, that I don't think God would have us to stop. I believe God would say no, 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 no. Through each and every individual life and you can help make a difference in that. And for a moment, um, I'm gonna bring out Tracy Taplin. Tracy, come on out. You guys as Tracy comes out, give Tracy a hand. <clears throat> Tracy is our uh, director of community engagement here, and she recently has kind of moved into this role. I get to work with her on the development team, and she's absolutely amazing, has a heart for our community. If things that you do, such as food drives, or if you're small groups involved in serving and giving, and, and if you just happen to be you know, partnering in any way, saying, I wanna serve in our community through Foothills, then you, most likely you've had an interaction with Tracy, and she's helped you to find that. And so, we'll also, we have four partners that we, that we work with that are, that are here today. And so I've asked Tracy, because she's the most knowledgeable about this, to come out for a moment and just to kind of give a snapshot, just give an overview of what these are. And I want to encourage you, if you drop by there, nobody's going to assume anything specific about you. We just want to encourage you to drop by, get some information on this, because I believe each and every one of us can make a difference by supporting these ministries and, and being aware of, of what they do for foot, in the community for Foothills and so far beyond. So Tracy, you want to share with, a little bit of, with us about these?
1: Thank you, Pastor Heath. Yes, we're so blessed to have four different ministry and agencies here today. The first one on the screen is Pregnancy Resource Center. Some of you may know them as PRC. They are located right here in Maryville, and they have wonderful free confidential services, including pregnancy testing. They have ultrasounds on site. They also have pregnancy support groups. One interesting thing about them, for the last couple of years, they've also had a mobile ultrasound unit, which goes all over our area serving clients. So we're just blessed to have them right in our own backyard. Second, we have Bethany Christian Services. This is an international ministry with a Knoxville office. Some of the things that Bethany um, does in our area include uh, pregnancy support. They also place um, infants for domestic infant adoption, and they also work with foster care adoption. If a family is interested in adopting internationally, they can also complete the home study that goes along with that process. Uh, Third is Hope Resource Center. Um, Hope Resource Center does exactly what its name says. They offer hope and resources. So we have representatives here from Hope. They are located very close to UT Uh, Campus, So they have a wonderful location to minister to many people in our area. They are um, a source of pregnancy testing, free and confidential. They offer well-woman care and other testing as well. So we are just thrilled to have them here this morning. And last but not least is Deeper Still. Deeper Still is an international ministry that holds retreats for people who have been through an abortion. They have retreats for men and women, so that they can teach truth about the healing that can only come from God in those situations.
0: It's great, awesome. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you. And Tracy will be available as well in the lobby. If you just kind of walk up to her and be like, "Hey, I'd love to find out more about. It. Can you direct me? I saw you on stage. Um, I'm sure the bald guy has no clue." And uh, she would be happy to help you. And, and we just want you to know we, we want to be a, a church that does impact and, and, and sees lives being changed even through these ministries and supporting them. And even as we, you might have been sitting in this room today and you might have heard, um, even as Tracy mentioned, deeper still, some that maybe have gone through this in the past, maybe you've gone through an abortion. Maybe you've known someone that you've supported with or driven to. Well, I want you to know this, that God is bigger than any of that. God is a a God of grace, of forgiveness. There's nothing that was not placed on the cross. Forgiveness is found at the foot of the cross where Jesus gave his life for us. And we have actually in our prayer and care room, we have some people that would love to talk with you. Maybe it's someone you just love to go in and pray about this situation. I wanna have this conversation. I just don't know what to do. Please go in there, meet with them, pray about them. Drop by one of the tables. Maybe you have gone through this previous year and you're like going, I don't know what to do. I mean, sitting in this room and you guys are talking about a decision that I made. What What can I even do? That's what they're there for. We'd love to have someone to be able to speak with you, to pray with you, to share with you. Please drop by there today. And as we leave today, let's never forget, every life is significant. Every life is important. God makes no mistakes. He's the incredible author of an amazing design of us. And let's continue to be the advocate for those who do not have a voice. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. We are so grateful for the life that you've given to us. We know that we wrestle with so much and so, much, so many trials that go on. God, we know that there are, there are women, there are families, there are people that are having to wrestle with this each and every day. And while this is something that is definitely political that we need to be engaged with and helping with, we also know that beyond that, we should not stop that. We should not stop there. We shouldn't just go in and just kinda check our box and say, there, I did my part. It is a part, but it is not all inclusive. Help us to continue to do all that we can do to help others see how important a life is. Truly believe there are many Derricks out there that maybe just a conversation that we can have with someone can help someone to see the significance of that. And Father, we just come to you right now, thanking you so much for the light that you've given to us, the breath that you've given to us, Let us not ever take that for granted and to realize it is a gift from you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text Decision to 97000 or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision.